today. Uh, over the past few weeks, we have been looking at a portion of a letter that and a leader of the early church named Paul wrote to a group of believers in a city called Ephesus. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, or chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And we're in this series obviously called One, because uh, you see the word one there eight times in just those six verses. And today we're going to really key in on that word, one hope. We all hope for something. And I thought I would just do a little uh, all play today. We can all discuss here for a minute. So just next, with somebody next to you or somebody around you, would you just tell them one thing that you're hoping for right now? Just one thing that you're hoping for right now. I'll give you like 30 seconds or so. Go. All right, how many of you guys said something that involved food? Raise your hand if it involved food, all right? <laughs> a few of you. How many of you just said something that involved sports, all right? Anybody? How many of you said something that involved seasons, like I hope it gets warm soon or something like that, all right? So we all have different categories of hope, and we, we hope that maybe it'll stop raining or we, we hope our in-laws will leave soon, or, or we hope that the winter pounds will soon be shed and we will be ready for the summer. We hope we don't overspend. We hope our kids will adjust in school. We hope that the off-season trades that the Reds have made will produce fruit in the uh, actual upcoming season. But we have all these hopes, whatever they are. But all of our hopes, as good as they might be, some will come to pass, some will not come to pass, right? But in the Bible, we see 200 uh, times where the word hope is used. And the, in the Bible, we see the word over and over again attached to God and his promises. In the Bible, hope is not just an optimistic outlook. It is an optimistic outlook that's based on God's promises. It is a confident expectation of the future. I am confident that God's going to do this. I can count on God that God's word is true. And so today, we're going to talk about one hope. And I thought, where would we find that in the Scripture? Where would be the one place that would really stand out above all others, I think? And, and, and for me, that's Romans 15. In Romans 15, we see the word hope used a few times. And we, we dig into that text, and we see that Paul writes this, this letter to a church in Rome. And, and this is kind of his capstone letter. It's, it's, really, it's really deep theology, and it's also a lot about practical expression of that. And so for the first 11 chapters, in, in chapter 1 through 11, in the book of Rome, Romans, you see him talking about our need for grace and salvation. He talks about how God has provided through Christ. And then in chapter 12, he turns the corner and he really starts to say, this is how these truths apply to your life. They actually make a difference in your day-to-day -day life. But then in chapter 15, he stops for a brief moment and he kind of almost has a benediction, almost a prayer that he offers uh, on behalf of the people that he's writing to in Rome. And it says this in Romans 15, 13. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the God of hope. What I want to do today is just introduce you to the God of hope. What I want to do is help you understand today where hope is actually found. That it's not foundationless. It's not just an optimistic outlook. It is actually based on something, all right? And we're going to begin with that phrase, may the God of hope. Because I really believe that hope is found in God alone. God is both the source and the supplier of hope. When Paul says, may the God of hope, he is declaring something about the very essence of God himself. God is not just the inspirer of hope. He is the source of hope. He is who our hope comes from. He doesn't just dole it out. It's the essence of who he is. It's not just God giving it. It's a description of actually God himself, the God of hope. And if you're hopeless today, I would encourage you to look through some of the stories in the Bible of people who faced difficult times and they were filled with hope later. If you're lonely or depressed, look at Elijah. He thought he didn't have a friend in the world. He thought he was the only one who still loved God. He was alone. He was depressed. But in the middle of that, Elijah found that God was still with him. And that still small voice, God was there. And God showed Elijah that things were not as bad as he thought they were. So if you're ever discouraged, read Elijah. If you're frightened, something in your life is out of control, you're facing some hardship in front of you, look at David. He faced the nine foot, six inch giant and beat him. God was with David. No need to be afraid when God is on your side. As the Bible states, if God is for us, who can be against us? If you have fear, read the story of David. Are you being treated unfairly in your life? Maybe something's coming against you. Look at it and say, this isn't right. What about Joseph? He was treated unfairly. Treated unfairly by his brothers who left him for dead and then sold him. Treated unfairly by Potiphar's wife who falsely accused him. And the list goes on and on. Ultimately ends up in jail. And then God uses this story to redeem not only him, but his entire family and change their legacy, really, for generations to come. And so when you are discouraged and you're thinking, no one understands or I am being treated unfairly, look at the story of Joseph. Or if you're in a crisis, talk about a crisis. How would you like being facing a group of hungry lions that are ready to eat you? Then just look at the story of Daniel and realize that no matter how hard things look, God still has a plan. And these are the stories, and more like this, that give me encouragement and hope, hope in God, knowing that He is still there, that He cares for His children. You see, friends, our problems are not new. God has seen these things before. He is the source and supplier of our hope. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, For He Himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God will not leave you. He is with you. He is your source of hope. Even when I go places I should not be or say things I should not say, God is with me. He is our source of hope. He's the greatest gift of hope. And, of course, that greatest gift that he gave came in the cross. If you want to know what does the definition of hope look like, it looks like Christ in the cross. The cross was reminding all of us that God loves you, that he is the master of the universe. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. John 15, 13 said, greater love is no one than this, and he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ gave his very best for you, and there is no greater love than the love that Christ has for everyone who is in his family. Love of God came to earth 
That's where hope was, was born. Romans 8, 32, it says, He did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God loves you enough to give his son, he loves you enough to walk with you through your challenges and problems today. Yesterday, we had a, a challenging funeral. Um, and challenging because uh, this was a couple that, um, they were in their 50s. The wife passed away in her sleep. But um, because you probably don't know them, I can I could say that they had faced some addictive challenges over the years. And that really affected uh, their personalities and a lot of other things. But there were so many people that were here yesterday in this room celebrating her life. And so there was much to celebrate. She had loved the Lord, and, and, uh, and, and while she was not perfect, um, you know, she had trusted Christ as her Savior. And so we walked with this family. How do you deal with times like these? How do you, you know, don't ask what if. You know, don't look back and say, I regret. Don't look at the what o- the, 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 the this should have happened or I should blame myself. But toward the end of the message, I had written in my notes just simply to remind them in Christ alone. And I reflected back on a message that I had given years ago to a couple that was in a very similar situation. The dad, the father, the, the man had died because of uh, liver failure because of alcohol. And, and I reflected to this family yesterday. I said, you know, I did a funeral years ago of a man who had liver failure and died too early. And he had addictive behavior, and it really affected his life and really affected his personality. And, I, and this family knew that not only was I talking about him, I was talking about generations because multiple generations, many people in this family that were at the funeral, you know, that I was referring to yesterday, they had gone through a lot of addiction in their lives. And so I retold the story yesterday to this family. And I said at that funeral, I want to tell you guys today what I told them back then. That in the Old Testament, God said, I lay before you blessing and curses, life and death. Now choose life. And so yesterday I told that family, I just want you guys to listen. While you don't want to live with regret, while you don't want to live with what ifs, here's what I am telling you. That when you leave this place and when you decide how will I cope with this death, that, that you need to find that not in a substance, you need to find it in Christ alone. Find your hope in Christ alone. Find your hope in Him. Don't continue to live this legacy for your family where generation after generation might struggle with this issue. Look and find hope in Christ alone. You see, in those moments, we don't have hope because of something we cope with. We don't have hope because of some addictive behavior. We don't have hope because of anything on this earth. We have hope because in Christ alone, He offers us eternal life through His gift on the cross. Hope is based in God and God Himself. Hope is secondly based on promises, not probabilities. True hope is based on on promises. All the hope that you and I have down here on this earth, all of it is misplaced hope because it's based on probabilities. I I think I'll have a really good shot at a promotion. If I I think if I put away uh, something in my 401k, it grows, it gets more interest, I should have this type of retirement. All of that is based on probabilities. It's based on kind of a wish, and I hope that maybe it will happen or maybe it won't. But friends, listen, every time we do that, 
What I have learned is sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when you put a person or a thing or a system or a spouse or whatever it is, and you are banking on probabilities with your hope, you will be disappointed. I think we have to find our hope in the promises of God in the Bible. It's different. Step back a few verses in Romans 15, verse 4. It says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. It's through the Scriptures that you find hope. In the book of Titus, the Apostle Paul says, And this is a God that cannot lie that we serve. And when he promises to do things, he fulfills it. These things will happen. It says his son will return, and he will. You're not condemned in Christ. You are forgiven and cleansed. You will be made new. You will really receive a reconciled and fully redeemed and restored body in eternity. These things will happen because they're promised by God who is faithful. If you're ever discouraged, I just want to encourage you to look back at the promises of God in Scripture. If you're not sure what those are, just Google promises of God in the Bible. And you're going to find 3,000 of them, promise after promise after promise, from God, directed toward you or to, to the group or to, a, to a, the people of God. In Exodus, as the people of God face an uncertain time and an uncertain future, Moses said in Exodus chapter 3, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in other words, the God who's taken care of you in the past, he appeared to me and he said, I've watched over you and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. And it was that promise then that led them uh, into the wilderness, that promise of hope, that promise of a better life. And God ultimately redeemed that promise. He kept his promise. And God reminds us, I have promises for you. In Psalm 145, 13, it says the Lord is faithful to all of his promises, all of them, and loving toward all he has made. So when you are facing uncertain times or hard times or discouraging times or lonely times, just open up the Bible and look, the promises of God are there for you, there for the keeping, there for the fulfillment. God has offered them to you. So don't worry. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the promise. We all have hope. It's not just an optimistic outlook. I'm an optimistic kind of guy, but that does not, that's not where my hope lies. Optimism does not get you very far, but hope does. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. That's what the Bible says about the Christian's hope. It is an optimistic outlook that's based on precious promises, and the object of our hope is Christ. The reason we hope in him is because he fulfilled his promise. He said, I'll be back in three days, and he resurrected from the dead. And from that moment on, we've known without a shadow of a doubt, God always keeps his promises. He is orchestrating all the events of your life for good. And even though there are challenges in this world, you need to know God has a plan for your life. There are precious promises. I love that story about Corey Ten Boom and her sister during World War II. They were in a concentration camp in a barracks at Ravens Rock. And word spread that somehow they had managed to sneak a Bible into the barracks. And they were having clandestine meetings to support one another and pray for one another. And they would read the Bible. And Corey Ten Boom said that her barracks became known as the crazy place where they hoped. Hope 
in the midst of difficulty and challenge and the greatest of hardship. Why? Because God who promised is faithful. Hope is based on promises. Hope also fills us with peace and joy. Look at Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I love that phrase, may the God of hope fill you uh, with peace and with joy. I love that word. It's this idea of just being filled to overflowing, that God has provided so much joy, so much peace, so much hope, that it's filled to overflowing. And he gives you joy and he gives you peace. Those are two things we want these days. Joy, Paul writes about that over 21 times. The Apostle Paul uses the word joy. That is one of the marks of being a believer in Jesus. If you are sour all the time, if you are just down all the time, if you are negative all the time, you have to check it and say, wow, you know, I need to find that joy. Because joy is this outward expression that starts with an inward satisfaction of the soul. He's not talking about a bubbly personality. He's talk, not talking about a cheerleader type person. He's not talking about a, a candy-like, cheerful, positive kind of just optimistic attitude he's talking about something deeper and that's joy real joy real satisfaction that really comes from an inner settledness in your life and that inner settledness is a peace a peace that passes understanding and the inner settledness leads to an outward expression of joy and paul says i'm praying that the people of god would be filled with so much hope that they will have peace in their heart and it will overflow in joy in their life I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this verse. He describes it this way. Peace is resting joy, and joy is dancing peace. Peace is resting joy. Joy is dancing peace. One is inward. One comes outward. Joy and peace work together. And remember, again, he's not talking about personalities. He's not saying if you're joyful, that means you're charismatic personality. He's not saying if you're peaceful, that means you're a more laid-back personality. He's talking about what is real inside of you, not just a personality type. He's talking about what comes from the deepest part of you. It's the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit that comes out in your life in Galatians 5, that you now, because of the hope you have in Christ, you have love, you have joy, you have peace, you have patience, you have kindness. You have gentleness, you have faithfulness and self-control. And Paul is just praying, would the people of God, would you give them hope in God so that they would be filled overflowing with joy and with peace? And I don't know about you guys, but in this world of uncertainty, those two marks of a person need to come out more and more and more. And, and, and what I see in life is that those who are in Christ, the older they become, the sweeter in disposition they become. Our family's been in the nursing home business for a long time. Uh, my grandparents started a nursing home in the late 60s, and all of our first jobs were around the nursing home, and, and you would meet somebody, and they're just so cantankerous and everything else, and they're just all negative, and, and you'd meet the next person around, they're just such a sweet spirit. Everybody's like, that's such a sweet little old lady. Where'd she, what's going on with her? Just a piece that passes understanding. I remember one day I was sitting there in the, in the lobby of the uh, nursing home, and I was playing piano and this sweet old woman came up and sat next to me on the piano she did she gave me a kiss on the cheek she said oh that's just such a good playing she said could you play an old hymn i was like yeah okay i'll play an old hymn oh good i love this old hymn and she would sing along with me and uh just a peace sweetness about that 
I told you about a woman at, uh, up in the Middletown uh, campus that is really embracing the idea of these two churches coming together as one, and she's been so positive. I, I drove in uh, two weeks ago when I was about to preach there, and, and uh, she parked in the first spot next to the building. I figured that makes sense. She's older. She needs that spot. I said, well, you get the first spot today. She said, I get that spot every day. That's my spot. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know. Now I, can, now I know. I got to figure out what sacred cows to avoid. You know, that's when I, okay. I was like, well, that's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we were going to do a work day yesterday, and we were going to tear out walls and things like that as we're preparing to kind of get their facility there ready for, uh, you know, making it kind of like access kids. And, and so we were tearing out things. But before we put the dumpster there, I asked Mark, I said, where should we put the dumpster? He said, I'll just put it there in the first spot next to the building. Well, I'm no dummy. I've been around a long time. I'm like, that's Stella's spot. Don't put it there. I was like, that would be terrible. And he goes, no, 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 it's fine. That's the one that makes the most sense. I said, well, you're taking the blame on this. Well, then the dumpster guy came, and he brought the ugliest dumpster I've ever seen in my life. It is so rusty. It is so nasty. I joked with the guy. I was like, wow, thanks a lot for bringing me your best. He was like, you kidding me? He said, I love bringing that old thing. People don't like it sitting out there very long. And I was like, okay. He put it right in Stella's spot, right that big old nasty dumpster right in Stella's spot. And I just wondered how she felt today when she drove into church, and there was that dumpster in her spot. And uh Mark's wife, Gail, said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put a big sign on it, Stella. And she actually had the poster board ready to put the name on there, right on that spot. But Stella Stella is so sweet, sweet sweet-spirited. And what I'm saying is, I I just think that comes not from any external thing. I don't know anything about Stella's life or how difficult it has been, the ups and downs that she has faced. I don't know those things yet. I, I don't know how she is financially or I don't know how stable she feels in those areas. But I do know this that she expresses a joy and an inner peace. And the only place that must come from is from Christ and Christ alone. So I'm encouraging you, find that peace, that hope, that joy in Christ alone. and You'll begin to find it in your life. Number four, hope comes in believing. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit it may abound in, in hope. When the Apostle Paul, what he's saying here is if you follow through the book of Romans and you see the phrase believing or in believing, it means that you've placed your hope, your trust in Christ. You've placed your confidence, your faith in the one who is sent to redeem you and to reconcile you, Jesus Christ. And next week, we're going to talk a lot more about this when we talk about that phrase, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're going to talk about your decision. We're going to talk about what it means to make Christ Lord of your life. But Paul says hope comes in believing. Paul is saying that when you look through the entire book of Romans, you see these phrases like this, there is no one righteous, not even one. But for all who believe, who have been reconciled to Christ, or or you might read that no one is perfect, no one is righteous, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but through Christ and his payment on the cross, we have the opportunity for reconciliation in our belief. That in believing, we come to Christ. And when Paul is saying all through the book of Romans that when you feel condemned and you're without hope, God sent his son to reconcile lost sinners. And the phrase in believing is you and me 
putting our trust, our confidence, our hope in the one who has reconciled us. He's our only hope for eternity. And Paul is saying, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I want to give you a little truth principle here, and that is you become what you believe. And I've experienced this in my own life. If you believe something, if you believe something about yourself that's negative, it has a tendency to come out in your life as a negative. If you believe something about your life in a positive way, it has a tendency to come out in your life in a positive way. You believe or you become what you believe. And when you believe certain things about the Lord, you believe that God is good, that God loves you, that Christ has come, you believe the things in the Scripture, you ultimately become more and more like Christ. You become what you believe. And when you believe about Christ, you become more like Christ. And he goes on to say, so that, In other words, he turns in the prayer and says, I want you to be filled with joy and hope and peace. Why? So that the power of the Holy Spirit may, in that, you may abound in hope. He bookends this prayer with hope. He's he's a good orator. He, He starts with hope. He ends with hope. May the God of hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit, allow you to abound in hope. That's the prayer itself. Book ended with hope. It begins with hope. It ends with hope. The God of hope is longing for us to abound in hope. And I love that word abound because it reminds us of this, that God's hope is in endless supply. You don't need to worry about, is it a little bit? I mean, there's quite a few people here today. Maybe God's hope doesn't apply to all. Maybe there's not enough hope for everybody in the world, but there is. God's hope abounds. His hope is in abundant supply. It is lavish hope. It is not just rationed out. It is lavishly supplied. It is given to you over and over again. You guys ever been at the bottom of one of those mountain streams where you are now at the bottom of the mountain and the snow has been melting off the top? You're in Gatlinburg or you're in the Rocky Mountains and you are going by that stream and the stream just keeps rushing and rushing and rushing, and rushing, and you're sitting in that stream, you're thinking, I wonder if that water will ever run out, but it seems like it is a boundless and endless supply of water. It continues to pour down that mountainside over and over, hour after hour, day after day, year after year, no matter how many cups of water you pull out of that, it continues to rush over you, and that's the way God's hope is. No matter how many people are in the river, God's hope is in ample supply and washes over all of us with satisfaction, producing joy, producing peace, producing a settledness of soul, producing an abundance of hope. To that end, I want to pray for you today that you would have and to find and to be reminded of that hope. God, I thank you today for the opportunity to know you. And God, I pray today for those in this room who maybe have never said yes to you. They have never made a statement professing their faith. They have never publicly said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They have not repented of their sins. They've not been baptized into Christ. God, I pray for those individuals today that need to make that commitment to Christ. And I pray, Lord, that they would be convicted, even by the story this week of, of Jennifer, who passed away. God, thank you that she had put her hope in you. Because, God, one morning when she woke up, she woke up on the other side of eternity. 
And God, that, that's a moment that's coming to every single one of us at some point. So God, I pray we're ready for that moment. I pray that we, we don't delay. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so God, I pray for everyone in this room who would say yes to Jesus. And God, I pray that they would, they would come up after the service. They would say, I want to make that decision. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I repent of my sins. I want to be baptized into Christ. I want to have all my sins washed away. I want to be buried and I want to be re- reborn and renewed, restored. I want to have hope. God, if there are those in this room who are believers in you, but somewhere along the way, they focus more on the problem than they did on the promises. They focus more on their struggles than they did on hope. God, I just pray that you would fill them with that inner sense of peace that passes understanding. And I I pray, God, that they would focus on the promises of God. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There is no temptation that has overtaken you, but such is the common man. God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Don't be weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. I will never leave you. I love you. God, there's so many promises in the Scripture. You walk with us through the storm. You lead us through the challenging times. God, just give us the the courage to simply open up the Word and allow the promise of Scripture to speak to our hearts again. God, for all of us today, I just pray that we would have that peace that passes understanding, that joy that abides, that no matter what happens in this life, we have hope. Hope for tomorrow, hope for eternal life, and even when things get difficult, God, we know that you are in control. and We trust that today, God. And we love you and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, I'm going to be just standing out back by the sound booth today. If you want to uh, say yes to Christ for the first time, you can do that. Uh, you can come back and just say, let's pray together. I, I'd never become a Christian. I want to talk to you about that. Some of you may want to say, I just need prayer about something. Would you just pray with me? I'd be happy to do that today as we stand and we sing together.